talking about over the last several weeks how we can expose the lies that we tell ourselves that cause us to ruin our lives. And uh, God has a purpose and a plan, so we want to move in the way that God has directed our life and that we, that way we can find our lives and our hearts rooted in the Word of God. And, and we do this, you know. We're, we're kind of taking this uh, approach of looking at a particular subject or a topic um, so that we can uh, be a little bit sarcastic because the reality is, is we often ignore the principles of the Word of God in order to justify the things that we want to do with our life. And when we do that, we end up ruining uh, some of the best parts of our lives that, that God has for us. And we often end up regretting those decisions in the long run. And the things that we've discussed the last month are typically ignored by many of us. And I would find myself in that category. And I know many of you uh, would find yourself in that category as well. We ignore, right? We ignore the boundaries that God set up for us, which results in bondage. Now, I know for many of us, we want to think that, you know, God's in heaven. And every time we do something wrong, he's there to punish us and to uh, smack us back into submission. When in reality... God says, I have a plan for you, and I have a plan for your life, and here are the ways in which you should live the life that I've given to you, and here are the boundaries upon which you're supposed to live your life, and so when you don't, there are, and you might jot this down today, there are some built-in consequences when you ignore the principles of the Word of God. It's not like God just wants to punish you. He's not being uh, punitive in any way. He's protecting us. He wants us to enjoy the life that he has given to us to the fullest. And yet, when we ignore the word of God, we ignore the boundaries and the principles of the word of God, then we end up ruining our lives and regretting the choices that we make. And what happens is we often ignore what's going on at a heart level to pursue in other things only what God can provide. And that might be comfort for some of you. For others, it might be peace or rest or acceptance. And so we look to other things to provide what only God can provide in our lives. And oftentimes we find ourselves in a place of addiction. We find ourselves in a place of wanting things, good things, more than we want to pursue our relationship with Jesus Christ. And what often happens is in our, our, our walk with God and our relationship as a disciple of Jesus Christ, we dismiss the power of our relationship with Jesus only to be disappointed that it doesn't deliver. For some, it might be alcohol addiction. For others, it might be um, the, 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 the addiction to pornography. For others, it might be the addiction to, to, to social media. It might be the, the addiction to uh, performance at work and succeeding and all of these things while many of them are good things, when we pursue them at the expense of our relationship with Jesus Christ, in the end, we find that they don't deliver the same way that Jesus can deliver when we walk with him and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we want to talk about addictions. And I think that many of us wouldn't readily admit that addictions for many of us are a part of our daily lives. Addictions in the way of maybe social media. For some, it might be you're addicted to work. For others, it might be you're addicted to pornography or you're addicted to some particular substance. And the reality is, and what I want to show you this morning, is that no one wakes up and says, you know, I think I'm just going to jack my life up today. I think I'm just going to make some poor choices. 
maybe maybe this 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 illustration will ring true to some. Maybe I'll I'll drink alcohol and one day I'll become so addicted that it'll cost me my marriage. So no one no one gets up and says, you know, I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have a glass of bourbon and uh, I'm gonna do this and then I'm gonna become addicted to this glass of bourbon and then I'm gonna end up ruining my marriage. For others, it might be this morning, you know, I'm gonna smoke this cigarette. And if I'm lucky, I can wake up and smoke one to two packs a day, right? And I think cigarettes are, what, five bucks a pack? That's $10 a day, $50 a week, $200 a month. That's $2,400 a year. That's a vacation, I'm just saying, right? A cheap vacation. And so I'm going to smoke one to two packs a day, and by the time I'm 58, I'll get lung cancer because who wants to watch their grandkids grow up, right? Who wants to do that? And so no one wakes up and thinks, you know, I'm going to try this cigarette. I'm going to have this drink. And so I, I, am, I am then and therefore going to become addicted to this particular someone. No one, no one says, you know, I'll make this little bet for fun. I mean, it's purely entertainment. And once I, once I win, I'll quit. Just write it down. The house always wins. In the pursuit of more, all of a sudden the addiction takes over. And one day those who only want more end up losing everything that mattered to them. I'm not going to sit here and give you a list of rules today and say, hey, don't have alcohol, don't have cigarettes, don't have this. But we're going to look at some principles this morning that will help guide us so that we can make decisions that honor God and can prevent us from ruining our lives and living a life of regret and being addicted to something that potentially down the road could end up taking away everything that we hold dear in our lives. Because no one sets out and says, you know, that's a good plan. I want to walk down this path of addiction. I want to walk down this path where it's going to ruin my life and cause me to regret the decisions I've made with the life that God has given to me. And we end up missing out on some of the best things that God has for us and his purpose for our lives. Yet people end up doing that all the time. So in your notes this morning, there's a question in the introduction. And the question is this, what is it that has mastered you? What has mastered you? Now for some, it may be alcohol. For others, it may be cigarettes. For others, it might be another substance like uh, uh, a drug addiction. We used to have a man in our church that God saved. He had a $140 a day meth addiction, and God saved him from that. Amen? Because God still does stuff like that. For others, it might be something that you think right now is a bit benign, but it might be you have an addiction to social media. And Mike talked about this so great um, several months ago. Uh, some of you have the, the, the addiction FOMO. Like, you, you have the fear of missing out, right? You've got to be involved in everything, and you've got to be in the know on everything and, and, and really what lies at the heart of that is the issue of sovereignty. You want to be sovereign like God is sovereign, and you want to know everything that's going on and not miss out on that. And on and on we can go, but we often find ourselves in a place of addiction. So what do we do with that? Well, Paul gives us some of the answers, and we find those answers in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 12. And we find it in this powerful, truth-empowered verse when Paul says, all things are lawful for me, and it's in quotes, and we'll talk about that here in a moment. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated. I will not be mastered by, I will not be enslaved by anything. So first of all, I want to talk to you this morning about the importance of discernment. The importance of discernment. Paul begins this section with a discussion about Christian liberty and Christian wisdom. Now, he uses two words. The first one is lawful. The word lawful in this passage of Scripture simply means permitted. I am permitted to do this. And then the next word that he uses is the word helpful. That means all things are lawful, but not all things are 
are, are helpful. The word helpful means advantageous. It means to be profitable. Now, there are some things in the Bible that God has given us liberty to do. There are some things that God has said, hey, here, here's a place of liberty. Here's a place of choice. You can make this decision, and it's not a sin for you to do that. And let me just say this as we're discussing this this morning. There may be some things that you do that's not sinful for you, but it might be sinful for me. There may be some things that I, that I can, in my Christian liberty, I can do those things. But yet, and it's not a sin for me to do those things, but yet for you, it would go against your conscience, and it would not be helpful. It would not be profitable. You say, well, what are those things? And I would say to you, none of your business, right? <laughs> because what we tend to do is measure ourselves by one another. And so what we do, I'll tell you my thing, and you'd be like, oh, my gosh, I'd never do that. And then I, you tell me your thing, I'm like, I don't even know how you're going to heaven, right? You know? <laughs> and, and that's what we do is we measure our holiness by one another rather than measuring our holiness by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Because at the end of the day, a lot of these things that we do and the choices that we make are, are, are measured by the external rather than the eternal or internal. And a few weeks ago, I was listening to um, someone talk about this, and he said, you know, I, I knew this guy one time, and he ended up taking a drink of alcohol, and then it, it, the alcohol got control of him, and then after a while, he ended up getting, being arrested for public intoxication. Now, was the alcohol the problem? Not at all. The problem was what was going on in that man's heart that drove him to the alcohol that therefore caused the, the intoxication. And what we miss out on, and I'm going to talk about this later in the message, is what we miss out on is dealing with the real issues of our heart, seeking for things Seeking for what only God can provide and things that cannot provide in the way that God provides, like peace and comfort and joy and rest and refuge. For centuries, there have been arguments about legalism and liberty. And one word of caution is to never make your rules the measurement of your holiness. Never make your rules the measurement of your holiness. I was talking to a pastor that I'm coaching out in Arkansas that's planning a church in in Little Rock, and he said this. He goes, one of the greatest distractions keeping believers and non-believers from enjoying God is the rules, or not just the rules themselves, but the perspectives of those rules. And many of us, we love the rules because the rules make us feel safe. We love the rules because the rules make us feel righteous, when in reality, you can keep all the rules and yet be wicked in your heart. You can do all the right things at an external level, but never truly have a desire to know, love, and follow Jesus Christ. Keeping the rules isn't going to draw you closer to Jesus Christ. You can have as many rules as you like, and yet your heart is still broken. And a lack of discernment results in a life that is in bondage. Because biblical discernment guides us and allows us to live a life of liberty. A liberty that enjoys God's gifts, and a liberty that is not in bondage to those gifts that God has given. You with me? Liberty allows us to enjoy God's good gifts, whether regardless of what it may be, entertainment or sexuality, and on and on and on we can go, but it allows us to enjoy them in such a way that we're not held in bondage to them. So Paul gives us two guidelines. He says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. So Paul gives us these two guidelines, and the first guideline is this, the law of love, the law of love. It's a love that wants to help others because helpful things that build others up will build up others in their faith. And so that's the law of love. 
is what I'm participating in, is what I'm choosing, is it something that's going to help? Is it going to help build up the faith of others or those around me? And so we don't ask questions like, what do I have to do? We ask the question, what is helpful to do? Now you notice we're not giving a rule there. We're giving a guideline. And the guideline or the rule that you come to may be different than the rule that I come to. And guess what? That's okay. Our, our response to this is the love that builds the faith. Will this help or hurt? Listen to this. Will this help or hurt the faith of those that I'm called to influence? Will this choice that I'm about to make, whatever that choice may be, will it help build the faith of those that I'm called to influence? Whether they're believers or non-believers, will this help them? And then he gives us not only the law of love, but the law of liberty. And then the law of liberty, we don't ask, am I permitted to do this as a Christian? And we, we tend to do that. How far can I go? Am I allowed to do this? Is this a sin? Will God be upset with me if I do this? And so we don't ask the question, am I permitted to do this? Instead, we ask this question, am I a slave to this act? Am I a slave to this act? Is this food or is this drink or is this sex or is this work becoming my master or, my, or, or is it becoming my slave? So for many, they believe the rules helps them to discern. The problem is the rules may not be the same for everyone on every single issue. So how do we determine this, this law of love, this law of liberty? How do we determine if a, if a behavior or a choice is wise or unwise? And it might be different at certain times or different seasons in your life. But here's three questions that I, that I tend to ask when I'm trying to figure out, is this, is this right for me? Is this right for my wife? Is this right for my family? Is this right for our home? Is this right for the church? And here's three questions. And the first one is this. Does it or is it best? Is this the best choice that I can make? Is this the best choice in the role that I'm in? Is this the best choice with the influence that God has given to me? Is this the best uh, that, that I can do in regards to my testimony for Jesus Christ? Is it best? The next question is this, is does it build? And we just talked about this. Does this build the lives of other people? Does it build into their faith? Does it build into their, uh, their walk with Christ? A lot of times there's decisions that I make that I don't do around certain people in part because they may have had that very struggle in the past. And it could be any number of things, but, but I'm going to be very careful how I speak about things around those that have been addicted to certain substances or certain behaviors or certain activities. I'm just not going to throw those things out to them because it's not going to build up their faith and it isn't best for them. And then here's the last one is does it bind? Now this one's kind of tricky. Because if some of you came into me this morning and said, hey, I want to give you a cigarette after church. You look stressed out. Why don't you smoke one of these? That's not going to tempt me. But if you rolled up in here with a box of ho-hos, I'd down the ho-hos in like 30 seconds. Like that would be a straight-up temptation for me, right? And then I'd top it off with a Big Mac, right? I'm just saying. But that would be a struggle for me because I'm a stress eater. And I like to eat my way out of a stressful situation, you know? And so, so it, does it bond? And for all of us, it's going to be different. And so if I offered a cigarette to someone that, that likes the smell of smoke, then, yeah, that's going to be a struggle for them. They might not be able to walk by a cigar store or a humidor because they're going to be like, whoa, I'm drawn to that, right? And that might be something silly, but is it best? Does it build and does it bind? Now, here's the thing. I want to talk to you about the ignorance of disregard. Now, you can sit here and say this morning, you're like, man, you know, you know, we're just talking about rules today. No, we're talking about becoming mature followers of Jesus Christ. And here's the reality is you've got to make a decision that someone may not have the same rules as you have, 
But that doesn't make them any more spiritual or less spiritual than you. It doesn't make them any more mature or less mature than you. It just means that they've, they've, they've developed a sandbox for them and for their lives that that's the, that's the, the ground that they're going to play in, and that's the area that they're going to find liberty in, in Christ. And that might not be your sandbox, and guess what? That's okay. Quite frankly, it's not really your business, but what happens is, is when we often, we go through this life and we recognize that, you know what, I'm not going to be discerning. I'm just going to live in the moment. I'm not going to make choices, and I'm not going to think about these hard issues. And so, so what we do is we ignore, we disregard the principles of the word of God. Now, look at what Paul says in this passage. He goes, all things are lawful for me. Now, if you read that at first glance, you think Paul is saying, right, everything is okay. That's what you think. Now, other translations translate this a little bit differently, but what Paul is doing is he's saying is not all things are lawful. And here's what he's saying. He's using this phrase because the Corinthian men in that culture were using this phrase to permit themselves to have sexual fornication with prostitutes. And so he was, he was using their phrase against them to prove his point. And so these men were disregarding the principles of the word of God. So in your Bible, it probably says at the top of verse number 12, uh, across the heading, flee from sexual immorality. So verses 6, uh, chapter 6, 12 through the end of the chapter are talking about the purity of the church and the purity of those who follow Jesus Christ. But from that, we're deriving principles from the word of God that can help us be discerning. So Paul used this statement to the Corinthians Corinthians because they were rationalizing their choice. Now listen, if you want to find yourself in a place of regret, begin to rationalize your unwise and sinful choices. If you want to to find yourself in a place that, 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 that you regret or that you wish you had never gone to, begin to rationalize the sinful and unwise choices that you make. Begin to ignore the Holy Spirit when he says, hey, you shouldn't be here. Hey, you shouldn't be doing this. Hey, you shouldn't be looking at this, and you shouldn't be watching this. You shouldn't be thinking. Begin to ignore those things, those warnings, right, and continue down the path that you're on. I want to take a moment to encourage you not to rationalize or reason away your unwise choices because the Holy Spirit, if you'll let him, he will direct you and he will, co- he will convict you. As followers of Christ, we're motivated. Now, we're motivated because ignoring the Holy Spirit, ignoring the Word of God, ignoring the ways of God ends up in slavery. And please write this down. Slavery is dangerous. You see, you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, we're motivated because slavery is dangerous. Persistent refusal to say no to an enslaving habit runs the risk of hardening the conscience so that you no longer feel guilty about the potential enslavement that you're walking into. So when you ignore the the Holy Spirit, you ignore the Word of God, you're walking down a dangerous path that one day you will regret. The old-time preachers used to say that the old camp-meeting preachers, some of the old-timers will know what that is, but they they would say, sin will make you pay more than you want to pay. It will make you stay longer than you want to stay. And uh, and then there's a third one I can't remember. It costs you more than, than you want to pay or whatever. But it's, sin will always take you further than you want to go. That's the last one. It always takes you further than you want to go. It's not one of those things where, like, I'm going to play around with this and see if it's okay. Man, if you're unwise and you're not listening to the Holy Spirit and you're ignoring the Word of God, you're going to end up in a place that you soon regret simply because 
you didn't walk with God and you didn't listen to his word. You see, the spirit-led life is a life of freedom. It's not a life of bondage. But if you ignore God's word and wisdom and you disregard his ways, you come to regret those choices. Unfortunately, for those who ignore God's will for their life, they quickly find out what it means to live a life of regret as they become a person who is therefore enslaved to their sin. So I want you to think about this this morning. What is the decline? What does the decline into iniquity or idolatry look like? Paul says in this passage of Scripture, all things are lawful for me, but, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but I will not be dominated by anything. Now, the word dominated in this passage just simply means it has authority over or it's controlled by or enslaved to. It's under the power of something. Man, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be under the power of anything, right, except for the Holy Spirit of God except for the word of God and the will of God and the purpose of God for my life. I mean, how silly is it? And, I, and we joke about it this morning, but, but how silly is it for me that when I'm stressed out or I'm worried about something that I run to star crunches for my hope and my refuge? Right? Like, that's just, it sounds silly, doesn't it? But it's no different than the man that runs to the bottle of bourbon when he's stressed out and he can't find the answers for his life because he's ignoring the word of God. It's no different for the, 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 the lady that, that gets stressed out at work or with her husband and she goes out on the back porch and she, she chain smokes constantly simply because it, it gives her relief and it helps her with her stress. It isn't any different than the guy that, that, that his relationship with his wife is, is struggling and so he goes onto the internet and he looks for hours and hours and hours at pornography and he just ignores the boundaries that God has for his life. Now this is a controversial statement. But I'm going to say it anyways, because when we're talking about outward addiction, whatever it is, drinking, smoking, pornography, work, uh, work addiction, you know, whatever, it's not necessarily the root of the problem. That's the symptom. And what happens is oftentimes, and, and if you've ever talked to an addict before, and I've, I've met many folks that have gone through AA, and what happens to many folks that go through AA or they go through some type of addiction when, they, when, they're, when they're detoxing from alcohol, they'll say, one of the things that they're taught is be careful not to just trade addictions. Because sometimes folks will end up giving up the bottle, but they end up finding themselves being promiscuous. They'll end up giving the bottle, but they end up finding out. Uh, I know folks that get addicted to exercise. I mean, on and on, they'll, they'll get addicted to food, and then they just start eating. And that's why a lot of folks that smoke, they end up gaining weight after they give up cigarettes because they're, they got to do something. And what happens is, is all we're doing is trading one addiction for another addiction rather than finding our hope and our strength and our, our power in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So the root problem in many cases is idolatry. J.D. Greer wrote, the problems in our behavior always trace back to a corruption in our worship. You see, we have false gods, gods that we feel like we need uh, to have in our lives in order to function, because when you unpack this, you realize that you're seeking to find what only God can provide in something besides God himself. And I want to ask you this morning, whether it's with your social media, or whether it's uh, with, your, with your drinking or with your smoking or whatever it is this morning that you find yourself being addicted to, what are you looking for in those things that only God can provide? Because it's only when you find what you're looking for in God that you'll truly find freedom in life. How does this play out? Well, you're stressed. So I need peace. I need to relax. So what do you do? This 
when you fill in the blank, this helps me to relax. Watching, binge watching TV, pounding down a, you know, a row of Oreos out of the Oreo, uh, you know, package. On and on we could go, I need this to relax. You're seeking what God wants to provide. He's the author of peace. And friends, I want to tell you this morning, we need to bring our lives and all of our desires under the authority of Jesus Christ. We need to bring our lives and all of our desires under the authority of Jesus Christ. We need to be set free by the relationship that we have in Jesus Christ. The life of sin and becoming dominated by sin, it's, it's a progression. We make steps, we make choices, we make compromises over a long period of time. And here are five steps that we tend to take that we end up declining into iniquity. We dec- end up declining into idolatry, into addiction, into enslavement. And listen to me this morning. None of us are immune to addictive behavior. John Bradford said, but there go I, but for the grace of God. None of us truly know what we would actually do given the right set of circumstances, which is why it would benefit us to pray, Lord, guard my heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Help me to take captive every thought and bring every thought into the obedience of Jesus Christ. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, let it be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my God and my Redeemer. Five steps that we take. Let's expose the, the lies that we believe. Number one, don't admit you have a problem. Very rarely do I meet an, meet an addict that says, man, I don't, I'm, I don't have a drinking problem. I don't have a drug problem. I don't have a pornography problem. I don't have a smoking problem. Just If you want to continue down the decline, don't admit you have a problem. If you want help, 1 John 1, 8 says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 9 says, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you want to be set free, admit you have a problem, own it, and let Christ set you free. But if you want to continue down that decline, gratify your fleshly desires. Give in to whatever your flesh says that it wants. Whatever it wants, whenever it wants it. Don't ever say no to yourself. Don't teach yourself self-control or self-discipline or self-denial. Live in the moment and enjoy every single thing that you want because that's what you want the moment you want it. Because if you're an addict, that's what you need in order to function. But if you want true freedom, if you want liberty where you're not bound by anything except for Jesus Christ, learn to say no to your flesh. The third one is this, rationalize your behavior, just like the Corinthians were doing, and make excuses. Well, man, my wife is, she's, uh, she's, she's upsetting. <laughs> she's, she's mean, you know. I had to call the police on her the other day because she pulled a spoon on me, and I thought she was going to stab me with a plastic spoon. You know, I've heard stuff like that in my years. Crazy stuff, right? And so my wife is this way, so i got to hit the bottle, or i got to hit the Twinkies, or I've got to, you know, I've got to look at pornography, and on and on and on we can go, and I'm, I'm not trying to be trite or funny this morning, but we lie to ourselves. And the excuses that we make are just completely irrational. And write it down. My kids will tell me after church, Dad, I can't believe you said that. That's so bad. Sin makes you stupid. You're not supposed to say you're stupid. Well, sin makes you stupid. Sin will lead you to a place of foolishness and regret, especially when you begin to rationalize your behavior and make excuses. And then here's another one. Keep your addiction a secret. Don't tell anyone you got a problem. Proverbs 28, 13 says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will, will obtain mercy. 
Because I, I want to tell you right, right now, if you want to continue down a path of, of decline into iniquity and idolatry, just walk alone. Just hide your stuff from everyone. If you're bitter at someone, that's cool. Just continue to be bitter by yourself. Because that's going to lead to something else, and then that's going to lead to something else, and then that's going to lead to something else. And all the something else's are the symptoms to what's really going on in your life is that you are not forgiving someone maybe that you need to forgive. And on and on and on we could go. And, man, I'm going to tell you, I'm thankful to serve with the elders and the pastors that we serve with because at some level, I don't know that there isn't any struggle that I have that I couldn't share with these men and know that I'm not going to be judged by them, but, but that we're going to, to seek out what God's plan is for our lives. I was reading uh, about a church out in Oklahoma this week, and one of the policies that they have on their, their staff is that they have an open confession policy. And, and barring a few things, the staff can come in at any time and say, I'm struggling with this, and they will not lose their job if they self-report, right? They come in and say, hey, I'm struggling with this, I'm dealing with this. Because look, man, just this week, the entire elder board of a church just north of us ended up resigning because of the secretive sin of one man. And I'm not here to beat anyone up over that, but as elders and as pastors, we got to walk in authenticity. We have to walk in openness. We have to walk in confession, uh, seeking to, to, to know God. That's why I, uh, from time to time, I see a counselor. I have an accountability partner. I'm accountable to these men. I mean, there's multiple layers because I know the, the, at some level that I don't trust myself, right? I just don't. Whenever I travel for the church, my wife, one of my kids, or someone travels with me. You know why? Because I don't trust myself. I don't know what I would do given the right set of circumstances. And that's not because I don't love my wife. It's not because I, I feel like I'm a shady person. I just don't even want to take the chance. And so, to be honest, right, there is a, there is a, there's a, there, there's a healthfulness when we can just own the reality that, you know what, I, I'm a broken individual. And I struggle in this area of my life, or I struggle in this area of my life, and, and, and I'm, I'm having a hard time overcoming this. And listen, I want to tell you today, if you're pretending like you got all your stuff together, I feel sorry for you. Because the, the amount of effort and energy that you have to put into putting on that veneer every day and acting like you've got it all together is costing you more energy than it would be just to come clean and say, I'm broken. And I need help. And I'm walking in God's grace. And I struggle with this. And I struggle with that. And I struggle with this. Would you come alongside and help me? Keep your addiction a secret. The last one is this. Depend on your own power. Never God's. I love 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war against, uh, according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not uh, of the flesh, but, but, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. And if you want victory and freedom, it's only found in the spirit of and power of God. You're not going to pull up your bootstraps and be like, man, I got this. You're not going to white knuckle it. You're not going to do it on your own. You're going to do it as you're walking in community and as you're walking in the power of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you this morning, no matter your addiction or your struggle, Jesus wants to set you free from your bondage. He wants to remove your regret and renew your life and purpose. Some of you have really messed up some things in your life recently. And you know it. And no one else around you knows it. Maybe your wife does. Maybe your kids do. But no one else does. 
and you're embarrassed and you're ashamed. I want to tell you something. There's nothing to be ashamed about. I was listening to a message yesterday, and the message said, there's nothing that can disqualify me because Christ himself cannot be disqualified. You know, we talked about that a few weeks ago. When God looks at me, he doesn't see my sin. He doesn't see my shame. He doesn't see my struggles. He sees his son, Jesus Christ. And all of Christ's righteousness has been accounted on on, on your behalf. Verses 9 and 11, Paul teaches that the church at Corinth, the church at Corinth, man, what a jacked up church, man. Just really messed up church. But in these verses, Paul begins to teach uh, about their sinfulness and how it separates them from God. He reminds them they, that they too had been imprisoned by their own sin. And let's be careful this morning to be like, well, you know, I'm not addicted to anything. And, oh, I got my stuff together. Look at what Paul says in, in verse number 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, what he's saying here is this. Those who live a life and practice these sins, and they do so with no remorse or conviction in their life. It's the same as 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. Hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. If you live that life unchecked, rebellion, outright rebellion against God, and there's no remorse and no conviction in your life, there's a pretty good chance you need to be asking yourself, am I a follower of Jesus Christ? If you can live in in, in just unrepentant, open rebellion sin, flaunting your stuff for everyone to see with no regard for God or his word, no no, no desire to walk through the process of the struggle, you need to be really asking yourself, have I I really truly embraced the gospel message of Jesus Christ? Because the gospel frees us from sin. It doesn't free us from to sin. But look at what he says. He says, all these things would keep you out of heaven. And then look what he says. And such were some of you. You know, I love the past tense of that passage. Paul said some of you were homosexual, homosexuals. Some of you were drunkards. Some of you were thieves. Some of you were this and some of you were that. But look at what he goes on to say. But you were washed. You were sanctified. And you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. I don't know what you brought in here in terms of a burden today. What you brought in terms of an enslavement or an addiction or a sin or a besetting uh, thing in your life that just keeps tripping up your relationship with God and and weakening the power of God. I don't know what you brought in here this morning. But verses 9 through 11 is dripping with hope for those of us who are struggling to know love and follow Jesus in our lives. I wrote in my journal this morning that there will be struggles and there will be setbacks, but God will never stop loving you deeply and faithfully. And I don't don't care, if you're a follower of Christ this morning, I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad you think you have jacked up your life or how far you think you've gone. Maybe in your mind you think that you have passed this point of no return, but you are a child of God. You are a son and daughter of the king, and he has, he has saved you. In fact, God loved you so much that he was willing to bankrupt and leverage all that there was in heaven, his son, to secure your salvation, your redemption, and your rescue. So I want to remind you this morning that there are no links that God isn't willing to go in order to restore his relationship to you. There's, yeah, I mean, at some level, we mess it up. 
different, different seasons and rhythms of life, we tend to walk away from God. And yet, we find this morning that God is here with open arms waiting to forgive, waiting to restore, and waiting to renew. If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, how many of you say to me this morning, Pastor Jason, I know for sure that I'm a follower of Christ, and if I were to die today, heaven is my home, and I can lift my hand and give testimony of that this morning. Would you lift your hand and let me see those hands this morning? Pastor, I know, I know for sure that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, how many of you say to me this morning, Pastor, I don't know for sure that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I don't know that I'm forgiven of my sins, that I have a right relationship with God. And if I were to slip out into eternity today, I'm not sure that heaven is my home. Would you lift your hand and let me pray for you this morning? Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. No one's looking around except for me. Would you just lift your hand and let me pray for you this morning? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? Anyone else? Yes, sir, I see your hand. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. Anyone else? And you say, man, I don't know. I don't know what it means to follow Jesus. I don't know what it means to be forgiven. For those of you that lifted up your hand this morning, in just a few moments, I'm going to stand right here. And if you want to talk about that after the service or even during the invitation time, come grab me by the hand. I want to take a Bible and show you what it means to know that you can have freedom, that you can know that you're forgiven of your sins and that, that you can have a home in heaven with God forever. How many of you say to me this morning, Pastor, there's some things in my life that while I might not be an addict, I know that, man, they're, they're jamming up my relationship with God and they concern me. And I'm not being very discerning with my walk with God and my relationship with Jesus. And I want you to pray for me this morning that I'd live more discerning with the choices that God has given me to make. Just lift your hand and let me pray for you this morning. Yes, 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 yes. Boy, hands all over the room. Now, how many of you just be honest enough to say, man, I'm addicted to some things. And I'm tired of those things having dominion over me. They, they master me. They dominate me. And I, I don't want to do that anymore. Would you lift your hand let me pray for you this morning? Yep, 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 yes, 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 sir, yes, ma'am. Anyone else? Man, pray for me, Pastor. I don't, I don't want to be addicted anymore. Yes, sir, I see that hand in the back. Anyone else? Anyone else? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I see those hands. Heavenly Father, I commend these dear folks to you today. There's four adults that raise their hand this morning that are unsure of what it means to follow Christ. I pray during the invitation, Lord, that they might come down and find their way to grab me or someone by the hand and say, hey, what does it mean to follow Christ? Maybe the person that brought them today. And then, Lord, I pray for those of us that, that, that know we're making poor decisions and we're not using discernment and we're ignoring, we're rationalizing away the better parts of our life and the liberty that you've given to us. And so I pray that we would be wise towards that which is good and simple concerning that which is evil. And then several, Lord, across this auditorium, raise their hands today and say, I am struggling with addictive behavior. There's some sins in my life. There's some things in my life that are wrong. And I know they're wrong. And they, they're, they're, they're dominating my life right now. And I'm consumed with them. I'm obsessed with them. And I want to be set free. And I pray, Lord, that they would be willing to come to the altar this morning and begin to pray about that. Start the process of healing, the process of renewing. And maybe grab one of the pastors by the hand so that we can point them to the help that they need. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to